Hey there, my name is Roy and I'm the lead pastor here at Archer Pentecostal Assembly. And uh, perhaps you've joined us for, to hear a message from myself or Pastor Justin, but I believe there's something that actually needs our attention. And not just for this Sunday, but going forward. And I, I'm sure like you, or sure like me, you've been watching uh, events playing out in the United States. And also like me, I'm sure you're filled with an array of different emotions. Perhaps it's because um, it's caused you to have some conversations at home about racism and hatred and inequality. Maybe you're a parent and you're struggling to explain all of this to your kids. And, and what role does the church play in all of this? Spend any time online or chatting with friends, and you'll quickly notice that it seems like everyone has an opinion. Some of those opinions are educated, some of them are well-meaning, and some of them are just straight up uninformed. Others are just watching from the outside because maybe you grew up in a small town and it's an issue that we don't think relates to us, but maybe you believe racism only happens in bigger cities or maybe you think it's an American problem. But I believe that the key to combating inequity is, is through conversation and education and then action. We need to be able to step out of our own bubble and see the world through someone else's eyes. And so today in place of a sermon, we're gonna have a conversation. And I have Pastor Justin along with me and our guest, Chris Chase. Chris is a sought-after speaker, a pastor, a father, a friend, an influential voice. When I was a youth pastor, Chris was at the top of my list when it came to getting guest speakers for our youth retreat. He's someone I trust, Pastor Justin trusts, and maybe most importantly, he's a huge Raptors fan. Let's go. So, well, welcome, Chris. Well, that's, that, that's your credibility right there, right? There you go. I, I, don't, I, I won't argue that. Rappers are NBA champs. We want to welcome Chris Chase. Before I jump in, though, I think um, I should also say that you function in various roles as a staff member at uh, Masters Bible College. And I believe you're Pastor Justin's Dean of Students. I was, yeah, I was for about two, let's say two years. Let's say two years, yeah. So I guess my first question is, what kind of dirt can we dig up on what Justin was like as a college student? Um, <laughs> Justin, exactly how Justin is now is exactly how Justin was then, except his hair was either shorter or longer. <laughs> exactly what you've gotten with Justin now is exactly what he was like when he was a student. Exactly the same. He's older, more mature. He's a dad now. But exactly as even keel as he was, as he is now with you guys at Arthur Pickles Church, he is. He was the exact same way as a student. I have, I have nothing bad to say about him because he, with his deductive reasoning, would have been able to convince me otherwise. <laughs> awesome. He would have used little words that would be like, "Yeah, sure, I agree," because I wouldn't have known what they meant. So he's on a whole different plane, for sure. So a little over a week ago, we've had some of the coverage of the what's happening in the U.S. flashing, you know, before our eyes. And, uh, you know, I reached out to you and asked um, if you could give us a little bit of perspective. And since that time, uh, you know, I've seen you all over the place. And I think the reason is, is because you just you're someone that, you know, we respect and you wear your emotion on your sleeve and just incredibly genuine and authentic. And I think authentic conversation, um, honest, civil conversation is what we need right now. So, Chris, for those that are watching, um, can you maybe just give a little bit of an idea to our audience, uh, some of the roles that you've played and maybe a little bit about your journey? Sure. Well, to start, um, I'm a husband of 14 going on 15 years in September. Um, 
didn't seem like that was coming quickly in January, but we are now in the middle of June. So a few months from now, celebrating my 15th year anniversary uh, with my wife, Rebecca. Uh, we have two kids, Eliana and Liam, 11 and 8. And a lot of the things that we're talking about are often con are connected deeply to my kids. Um, prior to um, any of these conversations that we're having now, uh, like you said, I was on staff at Master's College and Seminary until recently for seven years uh, in the role of Dean students, uh, campus pastor, uh, communications, uh, church relations, recruiting, uh, just kind of a, a jack of all trades, kind of if there's a, heat, a leak in the boat, you kind of put your finger in, in different spots, try to help that way. Uh, prior to that, um, spent nine years uh, pastoring at uh, Adrian Court Pentecostal Church, now known as One Church, uh, uh, One Church TO, um, where I started uh, as the high school pastor and then slowly, uh, not necessarily move my way up the ranks, but was just given opportunities to eventually become one of three assistant pastors under uh, the leadership of Keith Smith overseeing student ministries and creative arts ministries both things are really dear to my heart uh, and then before that I, I I broke into the world of ministry at Fleming Park Pentecostal Church uh, as a youth young adults and worship pastor for about a year and a half and I've been able to spend and then I also I should also add this uh, for about a year uh, my wife was the lead pastor at a, a church called Life Church here in in Oshawa Ontario uh, an outreach center if you will and and I not only got to play the assistant pastor in our home, I was also the assistant pastor working for my wife at the church as well. Uh, and um, and I say that to say that we our, our journey has allowed us to be in different environments over the last 17, 18 years. Um, from from urban Toronto in at, at Fleming Park, which is much more of, of a West Indian church, to Adrian Court, which was much more um, multi and intracultural in terms of allowing every voice to be to be heard and to be felt and to be a part of the fabric of the church. Uh, uh, to Masters College and Seminary, which is um, which is trying to build leaders of every uh, of every culture to feed feedback into into the the kingdom of God, feedback into our fellowship, which is the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, and then be able to connect with different leaders across Eastern Canada, which is Eastern and Western Ontario, the Maritimes, and the province of Quebec. So to be able to do all of those sort of things is allow me to have a, a, a deeper perspective in terms of not only where we are now, but hopefully where we can go in the future. And so this this conversation is bringing up a lot of things for a lot of people across all of those planes. So one of the, you know, if you, if you look at your social media feed, you know, there's a lot of conversation about race. And I think one of the reasons we're having so many conversations about it now is because we haven't in the past. Yeah. And uh, so why do you think it is that people are so hesitant to enter into this conversation? I think because it is, it's always been something that we've never talked about. And I know that's, that's a, a real simple push answer, but it, um, you never, you, a lot of people, they don't want to say the wrong thing mm. because there are certain things that like, you know, you, you often hear this Roy, well, I, I don't want to come off as racist. I don't want to sound racist. I don't, I don't want to say the and sometimes it's because they might have learned something that might be offensive. Sometimes they might actually feel or believe something that is offensive. Right. We also live in a we also live in a cancel culture, where if you do the wrong thing, you can be completely um, cut off from society. We see that with celebrities all the time. Right. Uh, we see that with athletes all the time. Drew Brees um, a few days ago, um, you know, 
made a statement about about the flag and his entire team almost had a mutiny on him and this is a super bowl mvp somebody who's donated millions of dollars to the city that he plays in and one statement almost destroyed his entire legacy yeah. right and it's and for some people it has destroyed no matter what he does afterwards yeah. so i think things like that when it comes to when it comes to to race it's something that there is a fear because of saying the wrong thing nobody wants to be on the for the most part, nobody wants to be on the wrong side of this, but nobody knows where they can go to ask a question or say a statement that might come off as offensive. And so because of that, um, nobody says anything. And then on the flip side, you'll have, um, I, you know, you'll have people of, you know, whether you're black, whether you're East Indian, uh, whether you're Middle Eastern, who will share stories about what they've experienced, and nobody really knows what to do do with it. And so you'll ha you'll often hear the, oh, here here they go talking about race again, right? right. Because let's just I, I describe it as you you want to put it in the attic, yeah. right? Yeah. Like after after Christmas, you get you pack up all your stuff, you put it in the attic, and you never want to look at it again. The problem with racism is that racism has a way of seeping its way into every pore of who we are. Prejudice right. has a way of seeping its way into everywhere. And so this this wafting smell that's been rotting in the attic is, has now kind of permeated into the house all the way through. And we have no choice but to deal with this thing that we have collectively all kind of put away. Right, right. And I think, so I, I think, you know, from, uh, you know, myself, Justin, um, you know, we don't deal with it on a, on a regular basis. And so, you know, it's a lot of things that's blowing up. You have uh, some people who want to offer too much perspective mm -hmm. when, when they really don't have the perspective. Then you get the opposite flip side is they don't say anything. They want to, mm -hmm. they want to almost just avoid it. Cause it's, you know, not my backyard, not my problem right. type of idea. Right. And so, um, but like you said, it, it's, you, it's always there. It, it, it's always yeah. there. And it's, it's something that, you know, I think there's this, this medium. I think we need to be able to speak up when we need to speak up, but we need to listen when, uh, and, and learn something when we, when the opportunity comes. Yeah. It's, it's like the idea of, um, you know, we've heard the term mansplaining. Yeah. It'd be like me explaining to my wife how childbirth works. And she's like, did you carry our children for nine months? <laughs> I have a craving, go get this thing from McDonald's. Okay, fine, right? Like, there's no, like I can, I can read up on every book. I can go to every mommy and me class, but I will never understand what it's like to carry a life inside of me. Yeah. In the same way, um, you know, and, you, and we, we, we're, we've both been, all three of us have been on social media and you can kind of see where people go here or there and, 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 and everywhere uh, in terms of their thought process, but, we have people who are willing just to kind of say things that they would say on social media that they would never ever say to someone to to their face and more often not so like like if you were to sit down with somebody who was not like you and simply say does this make sense Exp share share your story yeah it would change it would change things yeah uh and and we're we we live in a day and age now when you we know this where you know social media opinions matter Right. And so we all have kind of and so it's it's really working hard at not out explaining somebody's experience. We wouldn't do that for someone's testimony. Right. You know, if you're baptizing somebody, you wouldn't go to them and go like, yeah, well, I don't know. We're going to have to fact check that story about God coming into your bedroom and letting you know that he loves you. We're going to have to fact check your reading of First Peter chapter 3, verse 5. We're going to have to fact check that. Can we get some other? My statistics said that you're reading, like, we wouldn't do that. We would right. just, we would celebrate what God is doing. 
Right. Thing is, somebody is mourning. We wouldn't go. Let me fact check your mourning. Well, the reality is, when it comes to race, there's always going to be a, a population that is going to be mourning because of the pain that they've they've experienced. Because we, either they've experienced it themselves, or they are able to identify with somebody who is going through pain. And right now, there is a large demographic of the black population in the United States and in Canada who are reeling in pain over the death of George Floyd and. Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and and so many other men and women of color who have just been snuffed, in. right? And who have never got the chance to have due process. Who have never got the chance to to whether whether criminal or not be able to tell their story before they're they're they were taken from this earth. And it's just it's compounded and compounded. And don't get me wrong, there are if you look at the protests that are happening in Canada, they are as multicultural as we want all of our churches to be. Right. It's it, there's people of every shade at these protests against injustice. And we have to be, we then as a church have to kind of go, okay, so where do we fit in with that conversation? Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Chris, you brought up social media and I'm sure, you know, most of us here watching um, are somewhat aware of, of things that have been going on in the past few weeks, you know, it's, whether that be conventional news or through social media. Um, but just so that we're all on the stage moving forward in this conversation, can you give us a bit of a backstory as to, you know, what's been happening over the past few weeks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. So uh, two, two Mon- we're now in the third Monday, two Mondays ago at the time of this uh, filming, um, George Floyd was detained by the police for um, having a counterfeit counterfeit bill while paying for something. Um he pays for this, pays for, I can't remember if it was a meal or something or other, but the police are called and he is removed from his car. Um, what we've seen from multiple angles, because there's always the, the statement of, well, we don't know the whole story. So let me say this for the record. Multiple angles have shown him being pulled out of his car, being arrested, um, not resisting. Arrest. We don't know what he's saying, but you have, you know, we know this from every movie. You have the right to remain silent. Um, side note, one of my favorite, uh, episodes from The Simpsons is Homer Simpson gets arrested and they say you have the right to remain silent and he goes it's my right they go yes he goes well I choose to not exercise that right and he yells and yells and yells and yells as being arrested what I say by that is that he has the right to remain silent but he doesn't have to remain silent and what we see is him going from being on a on a um, being placed on a wall to then from there um being dragged in front of a car, being put on a floor. Um, and for eight minutes and 43 seconds, a police officer um, places his knee upon his neck. And we all watch in real time as a person dies. Mm-hmm. Let's sink in. We watch in real time. This is not a movie. This is not a, this is not a dramatic play that's being put on. We all, as human beings... And that doesn't matter whether you are Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, if you uh, practice, if you're agnostic, if you're whatever you are, we all collectively as, as, as human beings watch this man call out for his mother. We watch him beg for his life and then he, and then he dies. Yeah. Um, you compound that with uh, other issues of, of, of harassment of, of African-American men, uh, blame being pl- placed on African-American men. There's a story that came out uh, during that week that a a, a minister uh, lied about being kidnapped by a black man to hide the fact that he was spending time doing some soliciting, 
right uh, from a person and i will let you at the church kind of fill in the blanks <laughs> of the air quotes um but he was he felt comfortable blaming uh saying that an african-american man had kidnapped him when that was not the case so you can you compound all of these things and people there was civil unrest and what we saw over the last two weeks it shifted there was there was rioting and looting and since then there have been a lot more peaceful protests uh there has been a multiple the these things have become news news cameras for everyone and we have seen um multiple um instances of police brutality not just on black people but on white people we have seen um people lose eyesight um and lose loss of loss of use of their limbs due to rubber bullets we've seen all these sort of things happen and yet in the midst of this we have seen this groundswell of men and women saying no justice no peace we have seen this groundswell of men and women uh young and old um uh cry out for justice not just for george george floyd but for men and women who historically have been disenfranchised and not have been given the equal rights as others. So that's sort of that's sort of where we are. And it puts everybody in a weird spot. It puts good police in a in a bad spot because yep. we have good police who are Christians and who believe in due process, but they get roped into this. You have right. um, people who are seen as pro protesters peacefully, but they get roped in with somebody who who robs Target for their throw pillows because they are they're now like all so there's a whole groundswell of different things happening, which is why we have to then reset the table now, and have these conversations so that we as a church, as the church, know how to move forward, uh, with 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 kingdom purposes at M in, in mind. Right, I, I, you made me think. You know, um, the police officers, you know, the ones that are that are out there doing their job. Um, you know, as a youth pastor, how many times do you see an article that some youth pastor, youth pastor has abused their position and, mm. uh, you know, been arrested or whatever. And you're, and you're thinking, oh, yeah. you just made my job harder, right? That much harder. We're all getting lumped in together. And, I, and I'm, I'm thinking that's gotta be what's going through some of their head. Uh, I just want to just going back to the George Floyd, um, video when you first saw that, because I, I can, from my experience, it which would be a totally different experience than yours. Uh, it's probably one of the most, uh, gut wrenching, emotional, I've never felt that way, honestly, in any video I've ever seen. I've never felt that way uh, in a range of emotions watching that. What was going through your head when you first when you first saw that? Um, again, what was going through my mind, Roy, was again. And that's sadder, sadder to me because I should have been sad for his life being taken. Yeah. But I was just more sad at the fact that his life was able to be taken and you, I just kind of replaced his face with Eric Gardner's face, who said the same thing in 2014. Right. And other men and other women who have said the same thing, or other men and women who they never got a chance to even say that. And I was just, and, and my my heart was later on, where my heart just kind of went like, oh my gosh, a guy like that man is no longer here. My my first inclination was, my first inclination was. Again, my my second my second response was, well, that guy's not going to jail. My third inclination was like, well, those none of those guys are going to jail. Like that was like all of the things. My response was all the things that I had seen happen historically. Right, right. right? Um, I was, you know, we said earlier, like you're 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 four years older than I am. So we were both, um, you know, you were an older teenager. I was I was a preteen when Rodney King was was beaten. Right. 
right? So we we can I'm sure we can both if we really look thought long and hard about it, we can think back to where we were when we watched mm-hmm. when we learned about it. And that was not as accessible would have been on like you know right. television obviously that sort of thing. But we could remember and I when we remember the LA riots the following year, 1992, yep. because four men who were on video and this is viral before viral was viral yeah. are 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 seen destroying a man, not not only removing his his physical well-being but his emotional dignity and then the words they acquittal acquitted all four and then the city burns well i'm putting all of that from that moment where kind of like the lights went on for me as a kid all the way in 2020 going well so i was so i was i was disgusted i was hurt but i was hurt because it was bigger it, for that moment it was bigger than george later on obviously a couple of days later you're kind of like you realize that it's a person he's a family he's a father but at the beginning you're just kind of like okay well well here we go again yeah that kind of leads me into my into my next question because you know there has as, as you've mentioned there's been a slew of other incidents where we've seen like blatant racism um incidents of police brutality against generally towards black men and and we've seen the outrage that has followed um yeah. but it always seems to kind of simmer away you know and when we talk and it comes up it rears its head every once in a while but it just kind of it kind of simmers away do you feel like mm-hmm. this time is different do you feel like do you, do you have hope this time that 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 there's actually going to be some change that comes from in this because it kind of feels like that i do and i and i and i'm i'm normally i i think uh i think justin could just from hanging out with me so much like i'm i'm a pessimist by nature which is really weird to be a be a minister of the gospel and to like but and like and to have that but or i would say i'm a realist who kind of leans toward pessimism like i'm just kind of give me the facts just the facts man just the facts that sort of thing um and and i'm I'm a student of history right you and i both both basketball fans both nba fans and so when we see um lists being put out we're like but you're not recognizing the 1970s los angeles lakers you're not recognizing <laughs> the 89 detroit pits you're not recognizing both this down the other thing so i'm like you know like when we're making our defenses about like why this person should be graded better or this team and so on and so forth so because of, because of history you're able to look and go like well it simmered after this it simmered after ferguson it simmered after here simmered after there i think that the as much as we've all been annoyed by COVID, as much as we've all been annoyed by having to be in our homes and not being able to go visit, like, you know, talking with uh, Justin Haley, when, like, I can't wait to to meet your son, to actually <laughs> see him as opposed to like looking at him on, on, a, on a video. That's what COVID has done. I think COVID has forced everybody in this moment in time to actually really reevaluate. And it's uncomfortable and it's ugly and it's gross, but it's forced us to all to reevaluate our stance on on dealing with the other. It's really forced that. And what you're seeing across the world is people are saying more. Last weekend, there were protests in all 50 states and in 18 to 23 countries all around the world. This is the biggest civil rights movement in the history of civil rights. This is this movement right now is bigger than the civil rights movement that we have learned about in the 1950s and 60s. Right, right, yeah, I never in thought of it that weeks. way. Yeah. In two weeks, and 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 it's not it's not just, you know, it's not just a a a, a small number of 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 white people who are risking themselves 
and who are becoming the the early adopters it is everyone in fact, I would say I would say the the majority of people are for this, and that's why it's like that's like you know again obviously people need to be informed and they need to be when they're when they're posting they need to be thinking about different things and reading more things that sort of stuff. But the fact that the, that the desire is there to say something right. is different than any other any other time that I'm that I'm I'm aware of. Even right. you know like I'm watching you know we have peers of ours, credential holder friends of ours, who are already talking about like when the church is open and people are going like, the church should be on the front lines of the protests. And you're already seeing like, like, okay, like maybe this time is going to be different. And it's about fighting the fatigue. The reality, like when, when Martin Luther King um, and other civil rights leaders, John Lewis and others, they were about um, starting the Montgomery um, bus, bus boycott. Um, after after Rosa Parks was uh, put in jail for not going to give up her seat, it took them 378 days of protest, of walking every day mm-hmm. before the government finally decided to change their tune and change legislation. Um, this is the, the, it's, racism should not be this hard to fight. It right. should be really easy, but it lets you know that it's deep in systems and deep yeah. in the heart of, of humanity. Yeah. And so it might take a year of walking Right. It might not 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 literally uh, per se, but it might take a year of walking. But this feels different because there's more people who are speaking out against injustice than I've ever seen on anything. On Would you say this anything. is our? You say this is our Jericho then? You know, we, we might would, just yeah. We just need to keep walking till the walls come down. I I I would I. I was going to use a different biblical analogy, but I like Jericho even more. <laughs> I like I like the idea of like it's every day walking and on that seventh day walking and and it means sometimes it means walking silently, sometimes it means walking with typing, but it means continue. But we can't give up, right. and you know, and um, it's easy to get we get because we get bored, right? We get bored and we move on to the next thing, and yep. you know, social media goes from this to essential oils and brand new babies and engagements and pictures and vacations. But, um, but you know, we need to be reminded that they're like the fight for equality should never die. Now, I also think about that for myself. Like, I don't, I don't want my social media to only be about like this because that's that's heavy. It's heavy to always be thinking about and mm. right. Like, there's joy too in the midst yeah. of these things. There's joy yeah. that still needs to be lived and experienced. Um, but even for me, like, I can't allow my life to get so good that I forget that for my kids, for your kids, yep. for, 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 for Justin, for Haley's little guy, like the world needs to be better for them. So this, like a long, long winded way to say this feels so much different right. and that, that excites me. Mm-hmm. And it also makes me nervous because what that means is as the fight gets stronger, evil is going to be becoming more and more and more prevalent and more and louder. And so we can't get discouraged or fall into those traps when it does. Right. Something that's been been really eye opening for me and, and quite heartbreaking is to to hear so many stories, people on the internet as well as friends that I have, um, of of hearing like the the chat that that black kids need to have from their parents or, or minority families have about this this idea like from from such a young age of you know this is things you need to be be careful of when you're just walking out in the street this is what you need to be careful of going to the park and it's something that i had been not aware of at all um and it's 
like it's, it's really affected me quite quite a bit. Um, but I, I've just wonder, been wondering, um, is is there something that we can do? And this is like very practical for for myself and Haley. Like at just as young an age, what, what would be some things that that you'd see as beneficial for for us to to have conversations with our kids about at just as young an age of bringing this up as something early so that we're not yeah it's huge living our lives with it like obviously uh your 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 little your little guy uh the little king uh he, there's gonna be certain things that he's never going to have to worry about and um or if he does worry about it, it's because he put himself in those positions now he has really good parents so i don't, I don't believe that he would do that intentionally um, but it's gonna be things, that, and that's and that's a that's a blessing that my kids will never be able to experience. There are going to be tougher conversations that I have to have with my with my daughter, and especially with my son, uh, regardless of how they grow up. There's certain things that they will be until the world changes completely. Until and by world, I mean Christ returns and He sets the the order right. There's always going to be people who are going to see them as less than or see them as the other. Um, I think for for young families. Um, we raise we raise our kids to see the value in everybody. Mm-hmm. Now that's hard for us yeah. in the church because we 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 view value through the eyes of Christ and through the eyes of Christian culture, which also which unintentionally demeans certain people. Right, right? it's no different than um, and they sometimes they're well well to do, but then over time they just become fact and and how it is. So. With the with the religious leaders, we know that they had ten laws, the Torah, and then they felt, well, we need to add one because to explain, we need to. It's like the amplified version of the Bible. We need to add this to explain, explain, explain to the point where there's six hundred extra laws or so extra laws that they that they now see as gospel. And as they get passed down and passed down and passed down, they the religious leaders they don't realize that those were added out of goodness of heart because they wanted to do better they just think of them as the actual rules and so for young parents it means not simply passing down something because your parent passed it down to you because your parent passed it down to them but it means resetting the table resetting the table of of value of of people resetting the value of seeing the beauty in everyone so you're not raised so we're not raising our kids to to not see color and to, to be colorblind we're not raising our kids to unintentionally gaslight because they don't disagree we're, we're raising up our kids to have discourse we're raising up our kids to ask more questions and to listen more effectively yeah. um, mm-hmm. we're, we're also raising them up to to stand up for people um, I, I you know you, you look through scripture and there's moments where where Jesus stands up for the one who nobody else is standing up for he stands mm-hmm. up for for the leper he stands up for for the 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 woman caught in adultery he, he so so even like so gender wise it's like there's no dividing line there there's no dividing line between the poor and the rich there's no dividing line between the the, the one who is who is filled with a demon and the one like like Nicodemus who is a religious leader who's just kind of trying to figure like he stands up for anyone and everyone and so okay. we, we need to raise our our kids this next generation to see the value value in everyone and for me i have to go one step for- further because i need to also express the value that god has in my kids because uh, there's going to be a world that yeah. is might not necessarily view them as valuable there might be systems not people but systems that view them as non-valuable and in turn there are people in, uh, inside those systems who will do the same thing 
because they simply don't know any better because no one has told them that that is wrong. And so it's a matter of us reevaluating the systems that we are a part of. So we're reevaluating church. Does, does our church value everyone? Does everyone who is here, do they feel like they have a voice? And if we do that with our, with our kids, we raise them to, to, uh, to, to, to recognize that we all have privilege. And if we have a bit more than others, are we willing to loan that and use that for somebody else? Or do we hoard it for our, our, ourselves? Um, parenting isn't easy. My, my son, uh, my, my son is learning these things not only from Becca and I in small conversations or from his sister. He's also learning these things from what he sees on the internet. Right. And that's, and that's with supervision. He's learning these things. Mm -hmm. And so it's my job as his dad to protect him and let him know, one, he's loved. And two, I will do everything in my power to protect him. And if you're, if you're raising your kids to say, we need to do everything in our power to protect other people, then maybe if our kids are in the same area and something bad is happening to my son, your son's going to be able to say, hey, that's wrong. Yeah. That's not okay. Yeah. And yeah. that brings hope to, that brings hope to humanity that way. Right. I, I like what you said, the um, like using your privilege for other for other people. I think that's that's a good way to frame that. Or I, uh, that'll stick in my head. It has yeah. to be, because if not then we 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 use our privilege for our, for our, for ourselves. So here's a perfect example. Yeah. So Roy's son Mason sells shoes. My privilege is that I know Mason, so I can be like, "Hey, listen, before you put that shoe out, <laughs> like linking me, let's, you know, let, let me know. Let me know if you get a pair of rookie rookie of the year size 11s." And no, I am not using this opportunity to ask him if he has Roy uh, rookie of the year size 11s. <laughs> but I have the privilege to be able to do to, to be able to do so. And this is not a hypothetical. Self. Chris has actually done this. Right? Like I have the privilege to be able to to do that. Loading my privilege is being able to say to a buddy of mine, hey, listen, I know a guy, he's upstanding, he's a good dude, he sells well, he doesn't oversell, he doesn't undersell, he's right in the middle. Let me introduce you to my friend Mason. That's me using that privilege of relationship that I have with with Mason uh, to be able to 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 give that to someone else who might be looking for a pair of shoes, which then goes into Mason's pocket that allows him to then have a different influence because that friend has friends and so on and so forth. Right. So it's lending that stuff out to support everybody as opposed to just kind of keeping, like as they say in hip hop circles, that's my plug. So I'm yeah. keeping that plug to to <laughs> to my to myself. Uh, let me just switch gears a little bit. Um, I want to talk about the church a little bit, but sure. And I, and I know how much I know how much you love the the local church and you know and how much you believe in the local church and being the hope of the world. But has the has the church in general um, let the black community down, uh, minorities down, uh, when it comes to the issue of race? I, I that's a that's a nuanced that's a nuanced way of of yes and no. Okay. Historically, if you look back on the, the civil rights movement, there were a number of churches, um, white churches, evangelical churches, uh, Protestant churches that were with Dr. King. And there were also a lot who thought that he was a communist, that thought that he was a rebel rouser, that thought that he was destroying the American way of life. Um, there are there are there have been churches who have been for racial equality, and there are churches who still to this day in denominations still to this day hold rules and thought processes that are counter gospel when it comes to race. There are, there are denominations that have, that were created 
by black people simply because the white denominations would not see them as equal. And oh. there was a schism there. So I think in general, the church, our hands are dirty a little bit. And there have been, I, you know, there's been repentance on, 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 on for some, not for all. Um, and I think, I think from a local, I think from a local perspective, I think that there are some pastors who simply don't know. Right. And they think, that, and you know, having somebody in the room is good enough. Right. And really, what, what the real important thing is, does that person feel like they have a voice? Right. Because in in the most case, in in most cases, um, we black people really don't complain. They're happy to be there. They're happy to be a part of it. And if they do complain, they're complaining among them among each other. Well, I don't know if on the vote on Sunday mornings or there they're supporting, they're volunteering, all that sort of stuff. And I think I would I would advise my my peers to be sitting down and having uncomfortable conversations with our with our family members in our churches. Well, and let them talk for, let them talk openly and honestly, and don't take it personally. Right. Right. Don't take it personally. Take it as an opportunity to grow as a leader. Take it as an opportunity to say, like, how can we be better as a church? And ask and like let them tell you the truth. Yeah. Let them tell you the truth. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if let down you can't be let down if you didn't expect to be lifted up in the first place. Okay. So then how can how can the church be part of this the healing process? How can we how can we lead the way in this? I, I, and you, you just said that's the word, lead the way. The churches need to be leading, not kind of waiting to see what the world does. Because right. what happens is if we don't, then we get into this idea of, of liberal versus conservative Christianity politics. Mm. Where if you, if you say racism still exists, then you're a liberal Christian. And if you hold on to the truth as self-evident, then you are a conservative Christian. Right. And we need to be leading this from a kingdom perspective. Uh, there's a quote here I got um, um, on my phone that I was, I was um, looking forward to, to sharing with you. Um, it says this, um, cultural Christianity hijacks the gospel. Kingdom Christianity fulfills the gospel. Mm. And I, I think that the church needs to be about fulfilling the gospel. Like, and so we look back on the life of Jesus. We start there as leaders. We start by the life of, of Jesus. Jesus, who knew what it was like to be a refugee and have to run for his life with his family and hide for the, for the getting parts of, of his childhood because he was being hunted because of not only the power that he that he was potentially going to bring, but the race that he was as, as we need to we need to remember that. We need to remember that Jesus has twelve disciples of different of stages and life and and look and feel and job diversity was a part of the kingdom moving moving forward jesus right. speaks to the samaritan woman who is on a different plane of life and he says like like you you get it like diversity is a part of who he is we start leading this conversation when we put ourselves back into the mindset of of as simple and simplistic and as lame as it sounds what would jesus do right now Right. Would Jesus right. use this opportunity to spit racist rhetoric? Would he use this opportunity to to share stats simply to quiet down um to quiet down someone's lament and their grieving? Right. Would he use this opportunity to push somebody down and say you're less than or your story doesn't matter? Or would he use this opportunity to to pivot to something else that has nothing to do with anything? Would he do that or would he sit down by the well and say, Tell me your story? Uh -huh. So that when we turn around, we will be like the woman at the well who says, come and meet the man who told me everything about me.
Right. Mm-hmm. right. I, 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 I think what an opportunity for for young people, especially who are out protesting in in big cities and in small towns, to say, come and come to this church who gets it. Right. Like I think that's what churches need to be asking themselves. Like six months from now, when COVID is over and we're back to meeting, how, how many young people who are protesting on the streets of your town and city said, "Come to this church because they believe what we believe about equality. Come to this church because they believe what we believe about about justice. We might we might differ on a couple of angles here and there, but when it comes to the main things, they believe the main things like we do. Right." Right. How many like and so we start the conversation by literally like I, my suggestion is connecting with your city and saying hey how can we help how can, can we can we be the house where these conversations are are being had among among city officials and the community I, I think churches we need to be reading books uh, ordering books like the color of compromise uh, the trouble I've seen uh, inside outside um, learning uh, learning learning about the experience from the other side of the yeah. table. Right. Uh, more often than not, churches they kind of dictate culture, and it doesn't matter what color you are. Right. We need to be embracing culture and and allowing that to enhance the kingdom and enhance yeah. our churches, rather than saying this is our church. Do you fit in? If you don't, there's somewhere else to go. The worst thing that we can say when it comes to the idea of race is saying, well, if this isn't the church for you, go somewhere else. We should be saying we want you here and we want your voice to be a part of it. Well, if someone's leaving your church and going somewhere else because they feel more, they can be more like themselves from a race perspective, then maybe there's some underlying things that you need to be investigating. That's good. That's good. Well, just I think you had a no. That's yeah. not good. That's a thought. <laughs> um, what are some questions that we can be asking ourselves to help identify our own internal bias? I mean, like we're kind of in a spot where people. You know, like there's obviously racial issues, but nobody likes to identify as a racist. So there's obviously things, yeah. you know, inside of structures and, and even ourselves. Mm-hmm. I, I I think um, my, my friend Andrew Jones from the uh, the House of Common show, subscribe to that on <laughs> YouTube, uh, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Um, we'll link it in the description. <laughs> yes, you, you have to now. Um, but um, he would he would often jokingly say, if if you if you as a parent was going were going to if you had a daughter and they were going to marry somebody from a different race, what would your first reaction be? Mm-hmm. What would your what would your natural first reaction be? Not just for those babies, but for their family and so on and so forth. Right. Um, so that that kind of like brings up like a little bit of you like. Oh, I don't, right? Another question I'd be asking is, um, when someone says the line "Black Lives Matter," what's your first reaction? Is 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 it empathy or is it defense? Right. And I and I recognize that there's a difference between I, you have to do the research on this. The Black Lives Matter, the movement, and Black Lives Matter, the slogan. They don't always line up together, and I get the movement. You can read their charter of rights and things like that versus the slogan. When someone says that, what is your first reaction? Is your reaction empathy and support, or is your reaction defense and and stats to quell it? Right. What's What's your natural first reaction? And then go, why is that my first reaction? Because some some would say, as I'm going a little bit of a soapbox, some would say, you know, Black lives versus all lives. I look at scripture and I look at God who loved the Jewish people, people of Israel. And yet at a certain point in the book of Jonah, Nineveh's lives mattered. 
And Jonah was so mad about it. He was so angry about it. We look, we think of it as as fear of 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 faithlessness. No, he was adamant. There was a, there was an anger about it. He didn't think that they deserved salvation right, at all. Right. And it was like really embedded in him. We see when we we talked a little bit about Jericho, Rahab, who's who helps uh, the spies. As the entire wall is tumbling, Rahab's life mattered. There was an individual whose life mattered. So there are moments in, in, in obviously, we, John 3.16, none should perish. All should have opportunity of eternal life. We, we, we know this, but there are moments where that, where that breaks trend a little bit. And we can't just have one or the other. We, have to, we, we follow the whole counsel of the scriptures. And we can't just kind of balance ourselves, go like, well, God said this in these two verses. Well, God also said this in these two verses. So how do you square up that with that? Right. And right. then when that happens, is your first inclination to just shut down and say, well, this is what I believe. Or are you willing to listen? Another yeah. thing is, um, another question is, how many stories from, from minorities have you listened to? Now, I recognize if you are in, in Arthur, that might be a little bit harder just because of, because of small town versus larger town. But now, because, because of things like this, you're actually able to be connected with more people than ever before. That's right. So are you taking the opportunity to actually ask questions? And and preface it, listen, I know this might sound stupid, but what about? I know this might sound dumb, but I read this video. I saw, I saw this video. I read this book. Like, how does it line up? And then line it up not with just knowledge to back up your facts or to dispel your facts, but learn someone's story. Yeah, yeah. What has it been like for you? What has it been like, bluntly, what has it been like for you being black? Can you tell me? Yeah. Because I don't know, and yeah. I'm trying to figure this out. Ask these questions. And the people who, who really care about seeing equality happen, they'll answer it. They'll answer that question. And then when they give you the answer, is your first response empathy and I want to learn, I want to do better? Or is your first inclination to go like, well, it doesn't really exist. Mm. If, it's, if, if the answer is always about defense and always about negative, then there's more than then you have then there's more questions that have to be unearthed out of you but those are some some good sort of starting ones just that's good that's good um i got one last question for you this has been so good sure. it's so so informative um what's and we talked about this before you've been you've been around uh, a bunch of different churches lately and your voice has been heard what's a question that you have not been asked that you wish wow. somebody would ask you Ooh, geez louise Oh wow! I gotta think about that for a couple seconds. Um, I I think the, the the there's a there's always a nervousness when it comes to the area of police brutality, because nobody wants to offend anybody who might have a of a, 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 a police officer or first responder in in their in their churches, uh, and I get that because you know like. I, I visit in for a couple of days and kind of, you know, this video, but then they're pastoring these people for, for, for a long term. Um, and so I don't know if I wish that they would ask it, but that's a question I haven't been asked in, in full. Okay. Uh, uh, another, another question, another question. Well, another, until today, no one's asked me the question about like, where has the church been complicit in racism? That's the first time I've been asked, asked that question. Um, another, another one would, would be, um, um, how do we make room for people to mourn? Um, like I said earlier, there are a group of people, and there might be a, a few in uh, Arthur Pentecostal Church, but they're they're all over Canada, all over the United States, all over the world who are mourning right now. Right. And they're not just right. mourning the life of George Floyd. They're mourning, like George Floyd, I never met him. 
I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's a kinship, you know, uh, Roy, you've, you know, you've been around black people enough to know that there's no natural kinship that black people have with each other. It's just natural. It's kind of like the head nod, the, just the, where'd you get your shoes? There's all this, this all this, there's a natural kinship. And yeah. so there's yeah. a collective mourning that's happening for a lot of people. For sure. And, and, and how do we help people mourn? Um, when do we move on? Is there a moving on? Uh, that's a, that's a, that's another one. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm really like, like, like seriously, like Facebook message you like 55 other questions. I get you to sit down. Those would be, those would be the ones. And I, and I, and I, and like I said, I understand the one with police brutality because, um, not every, you know, we were at this protest on Friday, I took my daughter with me and every police officer was super kind and super loving. And, you know, they're cutting off the roads so that people can walk and things like that. And they're, and, um, but they also have, they also, there's also a training that might kick in if something goes wrong. And, and so there's, they, they live in this weird balance. Right. Um, and, and so, and then there's also, you know, black people who live in this weird balance. How much do I say? How much do I not say? Mm-hmm. How much do I risk by speaking out? There's a video, uh, that was caught on social media of a, of a landlord who fired his black tenant from an office space because he went to a peaceful protest. Oh. Right. So how much do you, how much, like, I don't know how much I risk by, by speaking out as much as I do. And even when I speak out, I don't speak out like in an angry way. I speak out in an informative, here are some steps, here are some things that you can right. learn. Here's some things that you can read. Here's some things that you can do. I don't speak out like, you know, like check the, check your Googles. You can see that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, but the, the question of like how much, how much is being risked by speaking out? Right. Right. Um, right. You know, for in the 60s, it was a taking of your life. In nowadays, it's a taking of your reputation, taking away of opportunity. Mm. And so those are things that like, those are some questions I'd be, you know, I haven't been asked, but I'll probably end up answering on social media at some point over the next couple <laughs> of weeks. In, in interspersed between like taking pictures of my wife's uh, fire pit in the backyard. <laughs> well, listen, we, um, you know, we're we're just so grateful and and humbled just to uh, you know to just have this conversation. Uh, it's yeah. you know it's, it's a conversation we don't get to have that often, and and just to let people let, listen in on, and and I'm sure it's it's um, struck up more questions, um, and it, maybe it's maybe it sparked more conversation. I think that's what it's all about, and and uh, you know one of the things that you said was um, you know as far as how does a church impact, um, and you said six months from now. Yeah, that's my hope that, uh, you know, Arthur Pentecostal Assembly, but not just that, but the church as a whole, that we are six months from now, this wasn't just a trending thing mm-hmm. on, on social media, that this was the, this was the springboard um, to more conversation and change and um, that, that we do things differently and that the church does lead the way in, in yeah. all of that. So we're just uh, forever grateful for uh, lending us your time this, today honored to be able to do so man seriously yeah i know you are and i was just wondering if there's one last thing can you would you uh pray us out sure gladly love that gladly i was gonna make sure that nobody runs in the back background here asking for snacks (laughs) it's all good uh god i thank you for uh for the church arthur arthur bank assembly i thank you for for roy and for justin i thank you for um their hearts as my friends uh, friends who I who I who I love and and respect highly, um, 
who want to be on the side of of good not good in terms of social constructs or good because of of legislation but good because um, that's what your kingdom brings that's what your kingdom represents the very definition of good and so god i pray that that would just be their heart where can arthur do good where it, even in even in their town where can they do good in their high school in their elementary school as as people migrate to and from driving into the city to find housing and to find employment all that sort of stuff where can can roy and justin and their church do good lord i pray that you would protect them from the evil one Paul, when he 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 leads Ephesus, he 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 warns people about the wolves that would try to to destroy what God has done. And Lord, I pray, whether it's in the city or wherever else, Lord, I pray that you would protect them from the wolves that would try through through memes and through posts and through arguments and and the whatabouts uh, to destroy the unity that you are that you are creating in this assembly. Lord, I pray that you would watch over them, watch over their families. Watch over, watch over their lives, Lord. I pray that that this church would be a, would be a beacon of hope, Lord. That would see everyone as as more than more than just the sum of their parts, and more than just their 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 color or their gender. That they would see them as as children of God who have been made specifically as they have been, not as a mistake, not as an error but by your design in your image and that they would encourage each other and teach each other to treat each other as such as made in the very image of God. We recognize that socially and culturally in our country and in our world, we might not necessarily treat one another the same based on those things, but we can, we have a kingdom economy that is different. We have a kingdom way of living that is different than the world. We are not supposed to be like the world. We are literally supposed to be change agents, foreigners and aliens in our world to show them a different way, a better way. May that start in their church and, and, and may it spill into every area of their lives. May it spill into how they, how they govern their, their kitchen tables and conversations, how they are when they spend time together as a church family, how they are when they travel out of the country or out of, the, out of, the, out of the, wherever else it is, wherever they are, Lord. May it translate into how they live their lives to see people through the eyes of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Amen.